Shot is no good. The rebound tapped back outside. The cannon drives the lane. Blocked by Wolf. Rebound Pennsylvania. Dave Wall. The Bilski's Leon to the wall in the middle. Up and good. Leon too fast. Greg executed to perfection. Here comes Fields the other way for a foul. Gets to the foul line. Blocked from behind by Wall. Wolf with the rebound. No good. Rebound. Bob Wolf. Pennsylvania. Hot left pass to Bilski. Take the center run again. Bilski has Calhoun and Wolf all the way underneath. To be no good. Welcome to the Penalty Box. I'm Sam Mitchell here as old Carter Thompson and joining us today, uh, not for his first time on the podcast, but for his first time uh, as a co-host of the podcast, Mr. William Snow. Welcome. Hello, hello. It's good to be here on this frigid evening. Yeah, great to have you. Um, for folks that don't know or that missed our uh, concussion podcast a couple months ago, uh, William was the former senior sports editor for the DP and is now a senior reporter and working on a lot of different interesting projects. Um, but today, he's joining us on the penalty box. I washed up right where I belong, so <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah. He arguably gives the hottest takes on Penn Athletics, and so he will be perfect for this podcast. <laughs> I'll see if I can moderate them for this, but uh, as soon as we go off air, you know, it'll, it'll be all out. <laughs> this, is a, this is not a space for moderation, but um, I'm sure it'll be good nonetheless. Carter, I know that uh, right off the top, you have something you want to bring up. We haven't recorded in about a week and a half, but when we last recorded, Michigan was set to play Wisconsin in a huge Big Ten matchup. That game has, of course, now happened. Um, what do you have to say about that? Well, the Badgers came through for me, as I knew that they would. Beat Michigan, actually ended up handling them in the end. They won by, I think, 9 or 10 points or so, but it was closer throughout the contest. But I just want to get my props for properly calling that game, picking the upset, and correctly predicting that Michigan would lose again, which they did. And so here we are. Well. Congratulations. Um, the Oracle of Delphi. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm clapping for myself. Yes. yes. No one else is. It's, uh, when you don't have a big fan base, it's important to be, be able to promote yourself. That's, you know, mm. one, of, one of Carter's strengths. <laughs> <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's get into it. We have a lot to talk about. It's been a big week for basketball, Penn men's basketball, obviously. Uh, won the Big Five for the first time since 2002. Um, kind of on a little bit of a run here after suffering those terrible losses to Princeton. Um, things looking up for the team maybe, look, heading into Ivy play. What do you guys think? I think so. Um, back after they beat Villanova, they seemed to be high-flying and on top of the world. Um, maybe it was a little bit of case of Icarus. They flew too close to the sun and they had to get knocked down again. Um, and obviously the two losses to Princeton were painful, but you have to say they look like they've turned the corner. Uh, Bryce Washington played the game of his career. Um, he was just reining it in from three. Uh, they looked like they could have been more fluid, but even though they weren't playing their, be their best, they still won impressively. So that stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, I think I want to echo that and mention that, you know, their five, Max Rothschild, has really not played that much these last few games. I think he's still you know, hurt, not 100%, and so that they were able to still pull out those victories without him, I think says a lot. He played two minutes, and Michael Wong didn't even have the best game. Right. Um, so they look like they've got the multiple ways to win that you really need to grind through a 14-game Ivy League season. Yeah, I mean, it's a sounds like a much different attitude in this room than it did, uh, you know, about a week and a half ago and when Carter and I were in here 
without you, we, we were in pretty dire straits. I mean, this team, I think we still had a lot of hope. They, they obviously are very talented and, and continue to be very talented. But um, after those two losses to Princeton, it really looked like uh, it was kind of on Donahue to turn things around and bring that confidence back and, and rally the team. And uh, so far he has. I mean, coming up, they don't necessarily have the toughest slate, at least to start. Obviously, Ivy play is different than non-conference play. But um, with that big five experience, um, you know, they've got Cornell and Columbia, which is kind of a good way to start. Yeah, and I mean, I think that before we touch on that, I, I just want to say that, you know, you we said that, you know, we need to look to Donahue and see, you know, what is he really going to do to get this team back on track and to get them rolling. And he rolled the dice big time and put Kuba Mijikowski, the Polish sharpshooter now, apparently, who really has not gotten many minutes in his entire time at Penn. He's a junior now, and he played the game of his life against Temple um, in the game that Penn you know, won and gave them a share of the Big Five title. And so he rolled the dice big time, and that one paid off huge dividends for him. And I think it just goes to show that there are so many different guys on this team that have the ability to beat you. And he just really reached into his bag of tricks and pulled one out that I don't think anyone was really expecting. And you could look back on it at the end of this year and say that might have been truly the turning point of this season, that Kuba came in and made four threes in a row in the first half against Temple and ultimately helped lead the team to victory. Yeah, I think you're totally right. And I don't think it's just um, just the on-the-court decisions, I think, or... Uh, just you know those kind of lineups or calling plays stuff like that. I think Donahue's done a lot to get this team back into the right mindset. I mean, uh, against Princeton, obviously those games were close and had a couple shots gone a couple different ways. We're having a different conversation, but they went the way they did, and a big part of it was playing undisciplined basketball. I mean, the um, the level to which the team was fouling, the letting a, a less talented team, especially uh, losing that game at home, um, beat you like that. It, is just not what great teams are supposed to do, and um, so clearly there's been a mindset shift, especially um, you know going to Temple, beating Fran Dunphy his final time playing Penn, and uh, I think we need to talk a little bit more about that also. Mm-hmm. But um, it, you know that's something that a mature, collected, talented team does. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't don't choke away games against their conference rivals. Exactly, um, they managed to get it done in the Big Five, and when they were crowded around that banner. They look thrilled no matter who played on the court. Uh, I think that's sort of a natural thing in sports. After such a long run of success and going unbeaten, uh, your lineup gets a little stale and teams figure out how to scout you. Uh, Maybe things get a little lethargic. You need a little boot up the butt. And that's what Donahue seemed to do with his lineup in the past few games. Um, People like Rothschild have been getting some rest, so hopefully he he can get healthy and uh, get his mojo back for Ivy League play. Cornell and Columbia are a couple opponents that you could use your bigs to boss around. So if AJ, Michael Wong, and uh, Max Rothschild can all play, they could see some pretty big success in the next week. No doubt about it. I mean, you know, kind of looking at Cornell a little bit, they've got one good player in Matt Morgan, who he's basically their entire offense, scores like 23 points a game, I think. And, you know, he might be able to get his, but similarly, if you get those guys in the post, they're, you know, let them have theirs on our team, you know, that's just going to be able to, you know, you should be able to take care of business, no problem with this, these teams here. Definitely. Definitely, and I think it'd be overstated uh, how big of a deal it is uh, that Penn won the Big Five, went undefeated in the Big Five. You know, this is, uh, 
a basketball city. It's maybe not a city that's cared as much about college basketball, or at least about Penn and Temple. You know, they care about Villanova more, but um, it's still it still matters a lot. It's still got some great teams. I mean, they beat the defending champs. They beat Temple, which is a very strong team. Um, St. Joe's and LaSalle, also good good wins. You know, better than losing, obviously. And um, to 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 achieve that, I think is is something that this team should be really proud of and is also something they should use in motivation because they've, they won the Ivy League last year, they came in, won the Big Five this year. The next step is to go back to the tournament and win the Ivy League again. And if, if they can't do that, then it's going to be much harder to look back on this season as fondly as they want to as the season that they went undefeated in the Big Five because there will also be that bittersweet part about losing the Ivy League. So I think that should just be an extra boost. You know, um, We've accomplished this great thing. We need to now go and do this even bigger thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, one of the things that we talked about earlier in the season before we were getting going was, you know, what is this team's ceiling? How good can they be? Because they did accomplish so much last year, and I think that we have seen glimpses of that this season, you know, from the win against Villanova to winning the Big Five to dismantling Miami, who's a solid ACC team. But you hope that they can reach that point consistently in this next upcoming stretch in order to really solidify like hey we have this ability to be able to do you know great things like winning a game in the tournament this year because I think that we all can agree that that's the ceiling that this team has is maybe even possibly getting to the second weekend in March Madness. Exactly I can attest to all the players on the team they're thrilled to be Kings of Philadelphia but I'm sure when they're up in Ithaca and in New York on Friday and Saturday uh, they're gonna feel a long way from home. So they're not going to be resting on their laurels. Uh, they will be thinking ahead, and of course, they will look back on the season as a failure if they don't make it back to the NCAA tournament, regardless of the success and triumph that was their first Big Five title in over 15 years. Definitely, and I think that you know um, this team team has had a lot of success, and and but they're they've got a, a long way to go. And uh, one of the ways that's encapsulated is by the fact that, um, and we can just talk about this briefly, but. Uh, Ken, the Ken Palm ratings right now are absolutely ridiculous. I, th I think it just needs to be addressed briefly. Uh, currently, Yale is up in, in the 80s. They're at 81 right now. They're, they're 12 and 3. They, they've had a, a strong season so far, I mean, regardless of what you think of Yale mm. in general. Um, <laughs> then you come down, and in second place at 122, Brown. Oh. Brown University. I mean,. <laughs> That's inexcusable. Yes, they're 12 and 6, which happens to be the same record as Penn. Um, but th this is a program that has had nothing but failure for its entire existence. I mean, th this is a group of people that, uh, it's, it's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I know it's an algorithm and it, it doesn't take these sorts of things into account, but there's absolutely no way that Brown is better than Penn. There's no way. It's out of the question. Penn. Who they beat? Um, it's a good question. Looks like they beat Sacred Heart. They lost to NJIT. Wow. They lost to LIU Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, they lost to Yale twice. They lost to Rhode Island by 20. Uh, they lost to Butler by 15. These don't sound too impressive to me. No. No. Well, I've pulled up the NCAA net rankings because I wanted a statistic that wasn't Kenpom. Yeah. Garbage. I've never been a huge fan of Kenpom myself. Mm. And they've got Yale, at, you know, in the 60s, which is pretty good. And then... They have Penn, reasonably so, as the second Ivy League team in around the mid-80s. Right. Right above Penn State, right around teams like Xavier, um, Grand Canyon, having kind of a surprising year, I would say. Yeah. Um, ahead of Georgetown. And so, 
in my opinion, I like this a little bit better. Granted, it's the first year of a new system. We don't know how good it is, how robust right. it is, but nonetheless. I think it, it debuted with Ohio State as the number one team in the oh, country. Oh, yeah, right? was, yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was awful. That's another story. Yeah. But at, at any rate, and then, I mean, the, the rest of the list is basically how you, you think it should be. I mean, you got Harvard uh, about 10 spots below Penn, Princeton well below Penn and Harvard, and then Columbia and Cornell dwelling in the, the late 200s, basically where they belong. Um, and, you know, Brown lost twice to Yale, and I, I guess what they're saying here is, yeah, but we put Yale way up in the 80s, so then the, those are good losses somehow. But, um, you know, they, they have wins over... I guess their their best win is maybe over San Diego State. Oof. I don't the, the rest of these I mean Stony Brook, you I'm from I'm from Massachusetts. A win over the Unima, University of Massachusetts Lowell campus is not impressive. <laughs> That's not a good basketball program. They have an excellent hockey team. If Brown beat them in hockey that'd be something to write home about, but A win over any team from Massachusetts <laughs> is not impressive, Sam. <laughs> Go Birds. Go Birds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, one city Let's is going to be watching, <laughs> watching their team in the Super Bowl this weekend, and one city um, will not be, but that's fine. Um, the Ivy League season is always so different from non-conference season, so I'm sure these things will shake out in the next weeks, and it'll look like it makes a lot more sense by the time the tournament rolls around. Definitely, definitely. Um, anyway, there are uh, two basketball teams on this campus, so let's talk a bit about the women's team. They are on a bit of a tear as well, beating Temple and Haverford. Um, unfortunately, weren't able to defend their big five titles, but the win against Temple, uh, with the loss to Villanova, which was now two weeks ago, but um, still good win against against a good Temple team, and um, they blew Haverford out of the water. I don't, I don't think they're particularly good. They're also obviously looking ahead to Cornell and Columbia in the coming weekend. What do we think about the women? Yeah, I mean, I think that they seem like they're really starting to figure out their identity on offense. I think that they are really understanding who they are, and I think that they are a team that does a really good job of spacing the floor, but also, you know, knowing their strengths. They know, like, that Aaliyah Parker is just a dominant force in the paint. They're going to try and get her the ball plenty of times a game. They also know that they have a great sharpshooter in Phoebe Sturba on the outside, and that Ashley Russell's extremely good, you know, two guard who's going to be able to score you know, facilitate the offense. And I think that they, I think that this team is going to really surprise us in the next couple months. Um, I think that they were kind of written off this year, more so than they should have been perhaps after losing so many good players. But I think that they, you know, with the win against Temple, they won so in such dominant fashion yeah. that I think that we're starting to see how good they can be as well. Definitely. And I mean, you're getting some, some incredible production. I mean, uh, Alea Parker putting up a double-double, you know, almost isn't even worth mentioning because it happens basically every game, but you're getting some incredible production, especially from Ashley Russell, who approached a triple-double uh, in this game, Temple, with nine boards, which for a guard, I mean, she's uh, not small, but still playing aggressively, getting in there. She got three offensive rebounds, seven assists, um, a steal. Uh, she's putting up incredible numbers, but what's even more incredible, I think, is that the way this team spreads around scoring. Obviously, Alea, Ashley, and a few few of the other starters um, are taking the the biggest load, but there are a ton of team, especially the guards, that are rotating in. And um, you know, one week might like uh, uh, Mashai Jones is a great example. Um, only had four points in this game. Other weeks, she's been known to go off and and kind of do a lot. Um, so really building kind of a balanced system, especially on offense, something that I think McLaughlin has done really well with this team. Um, 
and and just just getting support, especially and, and we don't need to kind of step on what we've talked about in past weeks and even last last year, but um, with the graduation of these incredible uh, legends of the program, uh, there was this question of will somebody step up or will the whole team step up? And I, I think it's you know it, it's it's been a little of both. Alea is obviously um, you know cementing herself as uh, an important and historic part of the program, but uh, there's been a lot of people stepping up and, and also making that possible. Uh, and another thing to look out for in the coming weeks is the return after two years out of junior Liz Satter, who suffered a horrific leg break uh, t about two years ago. She hasn't played a game in over 600 days, but she'll be cleared in the coming weeks. Uh, I'm not sure if it's this Cornell and Columbia, but it could be soon after. So really the depth of this team um, will be quite the formidable force down the stretch in the Ivy League this season. And you're exactly right. I mean, it's just a testament to the, the dynasty and the culture that Mike McLaughlin has built at the program that it's really anybody's game to step up in, and the, the family is more tight-knit than any one or two or three-star players. So I have to admit, I was one who wrote them off this season um, as a sure loss to Princeton, but uh, they look like they really could challenge them come tournament time. Definitely. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that, especially uh, Liz coming back after two years. It's very exciting. Um, we, we also wanted to give a shout out to a few other uh, teams around campus. I know, Carter, you covered squash, so ch check out that recap on the DP website. It was really great. Um, but uh, you want to give us a little taste of it right now? Yeah, so the both squash teams, men's and women's, were in action against the perennial powerhouse of the squashed world, Trinity College. And for those that aren't familiar with the college squash landscape, I believe the number is Trinity has won 17 of the last 20 national titles in squash, which is just utterly ridiculous when you think about that. Um, and Penn had a real chance to beat them this week. They walked in as the number one ranked team in all of squash. Um, Trinity checked in at number four. And it was a very, very hard-fought, very close, um, electric, you know, match. Um, really kind of came down to the final two courts. And unfortunately, um, Penn came up just a little bit short. But they're a very young and a very talented team. And speaking with um, head coach Gilly Lane after the game, he is really, really excited about the potential that this team has. And, you know, you can tell that they're trying to keep it you know, one week at a time, but, you know, there could be some really, really good things from this team coming up in the next couple of weeks if they were able to play such a quality team like Trinity the way that they played them. Any, anything to add, William? No, you're exactly right um, to take Trinity to the edge like that. And the score ended up 6-3, but it really should have been 5-4, and there were so many close matches. It could have gone either way on the day. Um, and not a bad loss to take for the men's side. And uh, the women who have been struggling with um, the lower end of their ladder, you know, they were always going to face a tough test in Trinity. But to see uh, senior Reham Sedke just dominate for Penn's one win of the day was at least something optimistic to take from it. Great. And uh, we also wanted to give a shout out to uh, a member of indoor track. Marvin yeah. Morgan uh, set the school record in the 60 meter dash. Um, apparently, the dude can just lie um, so you know that'll be pretty exciting to see how he performs for the rest of the season um, and additionally um, senior high jumper Anna Payton Malizia set a school record in high jump 
Um, she's done that now, I think maybe twice this season, um, breaking then her own school record. I guess is, that's something to write home about. Yeah, definitely. 1.81 meters is uh, really tall. That's, yeah, that's uh, very It's taller high. than any of us in this room, and we're not that short. So it's an impressive record yeah, for it's AP. Fantastic. Um, so great job to them. Great job to Reham, the rest of the squash team. Um, now let's, let's pivot and look at some of the marquee matchups out there in the big wide world of college basketball this upcoming week. We've got uh, to start Kansas uh, playing Texas Tech and that's going to be in uh, Allen Fieldhouse. Uh, we don't have a line. Uh, unfortunately, th those lines aren't posted until the day of, but uh, what do you guys think about that game? Well, for me, I really like Texas Tech in this one, even though they're going on the road to Kansas. Um, Kansas lost um, big man um, Udoke Azubuke um, for the rest of the season, and for those that um, followed along Penn's Madness run last year. He was the dominant center um, in the game when Penn played against them. Um, and they just haven't quite looked the same since. In addition, Texas Tech has this guy, this guard, his name is Jarrett Culver. If you haven't seen him play yet, you will eventually. If you haven't heard his name yet, eventually. He's probably going to be one of the top five, most likely top eight picks in the NBA draft. Um, he lit it up against Duke earlier this season, and he can really ball. Um, so I think that he'll have a really good game, and Texas Tech will come out on top. As Penn knows firsthand, it's uh, really tough to play Kansas in Kansas, even if not at Allen Fieldhouse. So, you know, you have to imagine the Fieldhouse will be rocking, cheering Kansas on as much as possible, but Carter was exactly right. Uh, they've gone 4-4 four and four since losing Azubuke, and they weren't even uh, all against super impressive opponents. So I'd have to give the edge to Texas Tech this week. I'm going to have to disagree with you guys. I think Kansas pulls it out. You know, obviously losing Azubuke, as you know, we, we witnessed last year, he's an incredible talent, an incredible big man. Um, I, I think you know, th this is something we've discussed prior on the show, but you've got to go with the narrative here. Uh, Kansas is on a bit of a slide. You, know, they, you lose the one to Kentucky, you say, all right, it's number seven, 17 in the country. You know, we, we, can, we can stomach that. Then you, then you come and, and lose to Texas, which... You know, is a team uh, under Shaka Smart that's kind of been been up and down, but um, you know, isn't isn't really a, an excusable loss. And are, are you really going to go uh, go winless over your last three? I think that, that this is a serious team. I mean, this is Kansas. They were a one seed last year, and they you know they they obviously lost Devonte Graham and, and a lot of those players. But um, this is an experienced team with an experienced coach. They're playing in a serious like uh, basketball arena. And they, um, I think that they may be a little outmatched. They, they may be still reeling from the loss of that central player, but um, I think they're going to pull it together, and, and uh, I think they're going to pull out the win there against Texas Tech. Um, all right, so our, our next matchup is uh, University of North Carolina at Louisville. Um, ACC showdown. Say no more. Louisville stomps them. Uh, they, they played at UNC in January and wiped the floor with them 83-62. I cannot see UNC really putting up much of a, of a performance in Louisville. Uh, go cards for this one. Hold on, I'm just looking into my crystal ball here. The Oracle for, of Delphi speaking. And what is it? It's Roy Williams. It's Roy Williams screaming at somebody. 
It's Roy Williams screaming because he's super happy because UNC is going to win this game. They're going to go on the road, and they're going to beat Louisville. They are underrated, very underrated this season. They've got a lot of different guys who can beat you, um, led by a couple potential lottery picks. And Luke May is just their senior, the old guy. He can do it all, shoots the ball from the outside, gets it on the inside. I like him all day, man. Go Heels. You know, Carter, I'm going to have to disagree with you. Um, especially the last thing that you just said. I mean, Luke, uh, as much as you can like Carolina, I think Roy Williams is a great coach. They've definitely got some, some strong players in that team. Luke Bay has not been playing well. It, I, I got a lot of, lot of respect He's for him. Averaging He's averaging a double-double. <laughs> <laughs> he, He's averaging 13.9 points per game and 9.7 rebounds. The, that, that is, is a double-double. Double. Double. It's basically a double-double. <laughs> <laughs> the numbers here are not important. The, you know, the University of North Carolina is underrated. or They're not underrated. They're, <laughs> they're being considered as a not very good team because they've been playing like a not very good team because they're not a very good team. This is true. <laughs> yes, they've got the history. Yes, you know, they've obviously been incredible the past couple of years. Um, and, yes, they have some talented players, but they've not been playing well. And maybe this is the game when they get back on the track, but I don't think so. Uh, Louisville, you know, maybe is not as flashy. They obviously don't have, uh, with the, the loss of Rick Pitino, they don't have the same coaching as Roy, as Roy Williams maybe is going to bring. But um, I think that they've, they've got the win. Well, I guess we'll see who has the last laugh next week. Definitely. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, Hard-Nosed Player of the Week. Every week this semester now with William, uh, Carter, William, and I will give our picks for the toughest member of Penn Athletics and make a pitch to our very special guest, who this week is senior news editor, Maddie Nyo. And um, then she will decide who wins the award, and that person will be crowned Hard-Nosed Player of the Week. Um, and as we're introducing you, we should mention you obviously a lifelong University of Florida fan. They're currently tied with the Ole Miss Rebels uh, in a basketball showdown for the SEC. Thoughts on the game? That's great. <laughs> I know so much about basketball. <laughs> yeah, well, anyway, thanks so much for being on the pod with us. Um, and we're very excited to get started. Any? I'm also very excited for that. So who would like to go first? Uh, well, I think that I should give you guys the advantage of going after me. So, um, the hard-nosed player of the week for me can only be one person, and that is senior women's squash player Rehamski. Uh, she had an incredible pair of matches this weekend against Trinity and Colby. Trinity is the number two team in the nation, and they beat Penn 8-1, but you know who the one for Penn was? Reham Sedke. Over three games, she lost just seven points to Trinity's number one. And at one point in the third game, she even had a towel physically wiping the floor with her opponent's sweat because she had her flying all over the place. It was never even a match. And honestly, what Reham did to that poor girl could have constituted war crimes, if you ask me. So for her incredible performances this weekend and all season, she has to be the hammer hard-nosed player of the week, Reham Sethi. So, of course, she had a great performance, but she wasn't the only great player across Penn Athletics this week. Uh, I know you guys have thoughts, even if they're wrong. Yeah, I, I can take it next. Uh, I'm going with Penn women's basketball star Ashley Russell. She's obviously had 
a strong career and been having uh, an incredible season now, especially stepping up uh, in light of the absence of Anna Ross, who was the legendary uh, point guard for the team last year, um, and I mean for the, the previous four years. But she had an incredible weekend, especially in the game against Temple, that um, the, the women playing against a very strong Temple team, they obviously have this Philadelphia rivalry. They won 71-62. Um, Ashley laid on 18 points, 9 rebounds, and 7 assists, so almost got to a triple-double, which in a college game is just incredible. Um, and for a guard who, you know, are uh, these players playing outside, uh, and especially a sharpshooter like her who's not necessarily driving constantly into the paint to come up with 9 rebounds is pretty incredible. Um, but I think what's, what's most gritty about it is that you know this is a team that um, has been having a very strong season they obviously um, are maybe not to the extent people would expect they beat Princeton um, lost to, to Villanova but uh, other than that have been been playing very very well um, you know that their only other losses are like for example against the number one ranked Notre Dame uh, fighting Irish um, and so you know that's a lot of pressure especially if you're the star guard on a team that people pick to be maybe fourth or fifth in the Ivy League going into the season and now you're probably playing like the best team in the Ivy League and you just beat Princeton who everybody assumed was going to be the best team in the Ivy League um, you beat Temple which is a very strong Philly rival they crushed Haverford by almost 40 points all while Ashley Russell uh, night in night out knocking down threes pulling down rebounds um, putting up big points and big numbers all across the board. Um, you know, that's gritty, that's tough, and that's why she's my pick for Hardness Player of the Week. Well, seeing as I'm personal friends with both Reham and with Ashley, I certainly can't knock wow, the picks okay. of my other <laughs> co-hosts. But, but, everyone loves a good underdog story. And what's truly gritty is when the underdog rises up and creates an immaculate performance to help propel their team to victory. And that is exactly what junior Kuba Mijikowski, the Polish sharpshooter for Penn basketball, who had not gotten into many games and meaningful points at all at any real time during his time here at Penn, came in for the red and blue and hit his first four three-pointers against Temple and was arguably the biggest reason why they defeated Temple and then won the Big Five. It doesn't get grittier and more hard-nosed than that. He's the, easily the pick this week for hard-nosed player of the week. I just have one question for you, Carter. Can a gritty player also be cute? Because I think that's why you picked them today. That's part of the reason, but I'm objective <laughs> here. This is an objective podcast. <laughs> All right, so if you have any follow-up questions you'd like to ask about uh, the statements that we made, or if you just have your final decision, this is your time. Um, yeah, what were all the sports that were mentioned again? What was yours? Women's squash, Rehan said you. Women's basketball, Ashley Russell. Men's basketball, Cuba. Okay. These were all very compelling picks, <laughs> and uh, very gritty, as you all like to say, apparently. <laughs> um, but I think that I will have to pick Sam Mitchell's pick. I was oh. very convinced, oh. but Carter, um, I 
really love the enthusiasm. <laughs> and William, I love you forever, so. <laughs> I love you too, Maddie. Oh. Uh, this hurts a little bit, but I'll move on. Okay. I'll cry myself to sleep tonight. Uh, please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much. Shout out. Big shout out to Ashley Russell. She's been having an incredible season, and and look now that the team goes to Ivy Play for her to keep pouring on those points. Um, thank you so much for being on the pod, Maddie. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, this is great. Um, thanks to Carter William, as always. Thanks to the DP who sponsors us, and uh, we will be back next week. Good night, Canada. And good luck. So weird.